Amen. No better place to be than right here unless you're watching online and you're on your couch with a cup of coffee or at the kitchen table, wherever you might be. Uh, thank you all for joining with us this morning. It's a blessing, honor, privilege. It's always good to be in the house of God with the people of God. And uh, that would be all of you. Amen. My pastor used to say this, how many of you are glad that you're here and not the best hospital in town? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, we're starting a series this morning. It's just going to go a couple of weeks. But, uh, but some thoughts that I've had on my heart, and uh, I think it will be helpful because I hear things from time to time uh, from people. And so we're, we're doing a little message, or a little message, a little series that we're calling uh, Afterlife. Afterlife. How many of you know that there's a life after this one? I, I went, I, I tell you what, I, I was kind of surprised. I went to Google and, and I started doing some research uh, and it appears that one out of one people will leave this life. <laughs> Who knew? I mean, nobody gets out of here alive. And, uh, and I know the topic might be one that makes some people a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, Shelly and I were watching the Queen's funeral a couple of weeks ago, and uh, <laughs> we were up early and watching it. And, and uh, they got to the part with all the trumpets, I don't know, how many of you saw it, watched it, anybody? I mean, they were playing trumpets, and they were, you know, then they had the boys' choir, and, all, and I told Shelly, I said, you know, I kind of want my funeral to be like that. I just think that some, I just think some trumpets would just, I don't know, Brian, Paul, you guys still play trumpet? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and I was just, just kind of kidding. I, I plan on living forever, so. Anyway, um, I'm going to be one of those few that does not have to die. How many of you know that a lot of times as Christians, we're sort of like, you know what, we want the rapture to happen so we can just, boom, be gone? I remember one person said, uh, you know, it seems like for Christians, they all want to go to heaven, but none of them want to die to get there. <laughs> that transition time kind of makes us just a little bit nervous and, and, and uh, a little bit uncomfortable about what that is going to look like, what's going to happen at that moment that we... Uh, that we pass, that we leave this life. And I know that some of you have, have faced that with loved ones. Uh, some of you have had near misses where you thought you were leaving this life and, and yet still here you are and there's still life in, 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 your, in, your, in your body and there's breath in your lungs and you're here. And, and I know for a lot of you, it seems that this is an uncomfortable topic. My wife, Shelly, does not like talking about what's gonna happen. I did tell her, uh, she's told me a couple of things and about what she would like at her funeral and all those things. I say, yes, dear. Because you'll never know. <laughs> I've told her that when I die, I want a bunch of balloons that say, and a big sign that says, I'm having a great time, wish you were here. And because uh, I, I fully intend that, I, that when we leave this life, it is not going to be lesser than, it's not going to be disappointing, it is going to be beautiful, it is going to be wonderful, it is going to be exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. We could not dream enough, we could not think enough, we could not imagine big enough to, to understand the glory of heaven and then to see our Savior face to face and, and these tired bodies that, that will have been laid down and there's a brand new life. I mean, that's not bad, is it? I mean, that's kind of good. But don't get in a hurry. Don't get in a hurry. And, and so it, it is a little bit of an uncomfortable topic for people when we talk about death, life after death. What happens to a person? I mean... We've all been to funerals, and I, I, I'll have to admit, there have been times I've been at a funeral, and I've heard somebody say, well, they're in a better place. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, are they? Are they really in a better place? Do we know that for sure? Do we know where their eternity is? I mean, eternity is all about location, 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 and there seems to be a general idea, general thought that, well, everybody goes to heaven, right? 
I mean, everybody goes. I mean, certainly a loving God wouldn't condemn people to hell. And you maybe have heard, like I have somebody say, well, hell will not be hot enough for that person. Anybody ever heard something like that? Or there's a special place reserved in hell for them. I kind of don't think so. But maybe, I don't know. But that's for the only, that's only for the who, the really, really, really bad, bad people, right? I mean, is there a heaven? Is there a hell? We all seem to want to gravitate towards believing in heaven, but we kind of don't like the idea, the thought of, of maybe there's a hell. Maybe there really is a place of eternal torment. <clears throat> so over the next couple of weeks, over the next two Sundays and into the third Sunday, we have a baptism coming up in a couple of weeks. Highly recommend if you've never been water baptized, be a good idea for you to do that. It is a wonderful, wonderful experience that Jesus said we should all be baptized. But anyway... Um, over the next couple of weeks, I'm, I'm not going to do a deep dive. I'm going to try to stay out of the weeds as much as I can, but we're going to use a lot of Bible. We're just going to look at the Bible. What does the Bible say about life, about death, about what comes after this? After we breathe our last breath, what happens? And I know, like I said, it might make you a little bit uncomfortable uh, to, to, to talk about this and to talk about heaven, to talk about hell, to talk about the fact that, that, that one out of one people will die. The mortality rate on planet Earth has been running at 100% for a long, long time. And that we should probably think about and be prepared for that moment that we leave this life. Because much of what our afterlife is going to be like is going to be term determined and based on what we do right now. On what we do today. How we live this life that God has given to us. The goal of life is not to just you know, amass as much stuff as we possibly can. Hopefully be happy. Pop out a few kids and then call it good. That's not what life, that's not the totality of what our lives should be. An important part, it's an awesome part. This life is awesome. It really, really is. In spite of its pain, in spite of its problems, in spite of all of the other things, life is precious so precious but eventually we lay this life down and eventually there is more to come there is a after life in the midst of all of the busyness and all the midst of the struggle and the pain and all of those other things there is a life to come and the reason that we're talking about this I think it is so essential and so important to the to the Christian life particularly and and, and much of the Bible kind of reflects this attitude and this idea but what you believe about eternity is going to determine how you live your life today what you believe about eternity, what you believe about the afterlife. If you're a person that just sort of believes that, you know, well, <clears throat> you know, we just live this life and then it's over. There are people who believe in uh, kind of this idea of, of soul sleep, that you just fall asleep and that's it. And if you think that that's what eternity is, if you think that there really isn't an afterlife, then, then you're just going to live to please yourself. You're just going to live to, you know, get whatever you can get. Kind of like the person said, get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. I mean, that's what's your, what your life ambition is going to be. If you believe that you come back again in another form, a reincarnation, that, that you're going to come back as something different, and eventually you are going to climb that ladder until, oh, I don't know what the, the, the end result of reincarnation is, other than you keep coming coming back like Groundhog Day over and over and over and over again? Nirvana. Nirvana, is that what's after? Thank you. He's a lawyer. I don't know if I can trust that or not, but no. <laughs> I, thought he was, I thought he was dreaming about the 70s. Wasn't that a band? <laughs> anyway, four people laugh because, they, yeah, that's right, it was a band. A, a, a band. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, so, so yeah, Nirvana, the, the paradise, good things. 
And so if we believe that, now if we believe that there's a good God, if we believe that there's heaven, if we believe there's a hell, then our decision-making on planet Earth is going to be just a little bit different. So what you believe about eternity will determine how you live today, what your thoughts are, what your thinking is. And it's important that we understand, at least to a certain degree, the biblical foundation for why we do what we do, believe what we believe, act how we act, all of those other things. But before we get there, everybody say before. Before we get there, a couple things I got to tell you about. We got to have a little family meeting this morning. And I know this morning that I talked to, as I do often, Three very distinct and different groups of people here on a Sunday morning. I use the example, you can imagine if I was a math teacher, my task was to teach math to a bunch of people. And in my class, there, was, there would be somebody who doesn't know what one plus one is uh, or two plus two. They don't know how to get to that or uh, to arrive there. But then on the other end of the spectrum, there are people who know advanced calculus and all this other stuff. And so my task on a Sunday morning is to bring the gospel to people who maybe for the very first time, they're hearing about a, a, a good God, a loving God, uh, uh, you know, and, and then other people who are on the other end of the spectrum that have been following the Lord full of the word of God and the spirit of God and the life of God for years and years and years and years. And so there's a, there's a wide variety of people that are here on a Sunday morning. Likewise, when, when we relate to the local church, Joy Christian Center, there's within spectrums and degrees, three groups of people. There is a group of people that you are deeply attached to this church and have been for, for perhaps years even. You're fully aware of the journey this church has been on, maybe from, you know, we started in 1991. There's some of you that, that began with us, others who were with us at North, others who uh, joined us when we were uh, uh, only on the other side, others who journeyed, were with us in this journey as we came into this building and, and over the last couple of years. You're familiar with the journey that we've been on. Others of you, maybe not, as this is your church. Somebody says, what church do you go to? Oh, we go to Joy. But maybe you're not quite as connected in life. Just, you're just in a different place and busy. And, you know, your, your hope is that, well, I come to church on a Sunday morning and I just hear, you know, I just want to hear a good message, sing a couple songs, call it good, and we'll see you in a few weeks, that kind of a thing. And then there's another group of people. I, I talked to somebody this week uh, on Wednesday night, and, and uh, their first Sunday was last week. There's others of you that are here for the very first time this morning. Thank you once again for joining. But your experience with joy, what you would call Joy Christian Center is everything that you have experienced for the last half hour. That's Joy Christian Center. You may or may not be aware that there's a children's ministry, a youth ministry. You may or may not be aware of what, what is going on. And so my challenge right now is to talk to all of you in a way that makes sense to all of you. And it doesn't. And so a couple of things I need to talk to you about and a couple of things I need to say to you. First of all, uh, let me just rip off the band-aid and then we'll talk about it a little bit. But Pastor Josh ain't coming back. Just take a moment all, all together again. Uh, now, for those of you that are here for the first couple of times, you don't know who Pastor Josh is, you can say, who? <laughs> who? Because you didn't know there was a Pastor Josh. Others of you might be like, ah, oh, I forgot about him. That's right. <laughs> you know, because we're all in different places, different experiences. And, and, and so I, I need to tell you this. Um, in spite of our best efforts, Pastor Josh is not going to be able to come back. Um, and I've got some things I need to talk to you about. I, we're going to do a series uh, after Joe McGee is here, and it's really about handling stress and things. And I'll go into a little bit more detail uh, about some of my personal journey. I I've resist at times trying to, I don't want to share too many things, but um, uh, as, as we have endeavored as best as we could to navigate this, 
Um, and I'll be totally honest with you, uh, I still have no idea exactly why his visa was denied. Actually, his last appointment, his visa was not just revoked. And for those of you, just very quickly, I'll try to catch up. If you don't know the journey we've been on, we brought in a person to be over our creative arts department from Trinidad, went to college in Canada, and um, needed a religious worker's visa. We got that, thought we were home free. He, uh, in April, said, I'm going to go back to Trinidad, get married. I have to go to the U.S. consulate there, appear there. They have to look at my visa. They stamp it, and then I can come back. And, and um, he's not a citizen. It's not a green card, but it is a status that allows him to be here uh, more permanently. Um, he went back, had his first appointment. He was denied. We were all kind of like, hey, you got to be kidding me. Uh, and then he had a second appointment. His visa was not just denied. It was revoked. Revoked is a far different thing than denied. Uh, revoked means he cannot come to this country. He cannot come back to this country. We've heard estimates. Anyway, basically, he starts the process over after a waiting period. It could be three to ten years before he, comes, before he can come to the USA. I ain't waiting 10 years, and neither is he. I mean, he's, you know, I don't blame him at all. He's got a, a new wife, wants to start a family, ready to get going on. Not a lot going on in Trinidad as far as employment and things like that. And so, um, and so here we are. And um, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's a difficult, difficult time. In the natural, just in my own thought process, I kind of knew I just didn't want to acknowledge it, didn't want to go there. In my thinking, um, if you were here on August, I think it was August 26th that I preached a message. Some of you said it was very raw. Um, I try hard, and, and I'm going to, anyway, I try hard to not bring certain things into the pulpit with me. I don't want to bring anger. I don't want to bring frustration. I don't want to bring pain into the pulpit, pain or all of those things into my preaching. Uh, I, I fight that hard because it's not beneficial to anybody. And, and what I share with you is not for you, oh, poor Pastor Brian, poor Joy Christian Center. That isn't the point at all. I need to tell you this. Um, I need you to let you know this. I want to share a couple of things from my heart um, in this process. We'll talk more about it in uh, October, November in that next series that we do. But um, there is nobody in this room that wants to know more or understand more about what went wrong, what fell apart, how did this all happen uh, when we learned that he that his visa was revoked, which was a far different thing. I, I didn't say anything to you particularly simply because I didn't have the heart to go there. I didn't want to go there here. When I met with, uh, his mom and dad were here. If you remember, he preached, Joel, Pastor Joel preached. And, and uh, it was on a Saturday. I was here at the church getting ready for Sunday. They came by. He was headed to Wisconsin, then going to Canada where his daughter was. And we talked out in the parking lot, gave, his mom, gave Josh's mom a hug. Uh, Kathleen, she wept. I cried. I came back into the church, sat down uh, in the children's area. There's a bench there right in Steph's coffee shop, sat down there, and I cried. I just wept. I, I literally... Literally was God, I mean, it felt like, it honestly felt like a death because a dream I had died, a hope that I had died. And I just wept. I said, God, are you kidding me? I mean, is this how this ends? It can't be. That's, that made zero sense to me. Has anybody ever been in a position like that where it's like, God, it, it, it can't be. I mean, this, this can't be your best. This can't be. And, and, and honestly, I, I mean, I use the phrase, trying to not be overdramatic, but I was heartbroken. And, um, and it was hard. 
And I said, I, I don't like to bring that stuff into the pulpit. And, um, and so I didn't say a whole lot just because I didn't have the heart to go there. I didn't have the capacity, the emotional capacity to go there. Didn't want to go there. I'm stubborn in my faith. God, you can do anything. We can say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. Nothing can stop your plan from coming to pass. But apparently my plan can be stopped. <laughs> my hope can be stopped at times. I don't know. I don't know exactly why. Uh, but it was a tough, tough moment. I talked with Josh on Monday night. And we were talking about a lot of different things. And I said, Josh, I'm still believing. I think that God's going to turn this. And he's like, Pastor Brian, I, don't, I just don't know. And, man, I got to get going. I, I, you know, I have a wife to think about and family and all that stuff. Well, then Tuesday I got a phone call from Josh. And he said, hey, a church in Canada reached out to me. And uh, they might want to hire me. Would you give me a recommendation? <laughs> I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I told somebody, I told Shelly and others later, I was like, I felt like the ex-husband whose wife left him, who now she wants me to tell the new husband why, all the good reasons why they should get married. <laughs> Apparently you can all relate to how that felt. So I did. And you know, I have no animosity in my heart. I don't think that there was anything in, in Josh that foresaw this. Um, we maybe got some bad advice, or he did when, uh, you know, he was told it's okay to go back to Trinidad, it's okay to get married, and uh, it's a formality with the process that we're in, and you'll be able to come back. Obviously, that wasn't the case, and, um, you know, and so here we are. And uh, it was, it is, and was uh, a tough thing. And I'll just be honest with you, the last couple of months have been really, really tough. Uh, the last couple of months... After the last couple of years, after the last couple of other years, there's just a lot. It's not one thing, it's everything. And I was at a point, it's like, man, I just, I, I'm, I'm brokenhearted. I met with Pastor Tim and Pastor John, and I just said, guys, I've never felt like this in 30 years. And I'm really an internal person. I, I don't share a lot of stuff. And again, I'm not saying this, oh, poor Pastor Brian, that's not my point. But, but, but I want you to know, it, it, it's a, it was a struggle, and part of it is because we've come through this pandemic where we couldn't really advance, we couldn't really do anything. It was sort of status quo, maintain, just kind of keep going, and, and, and when is this going to break, when is this going to change, and then, uh, you know, trying to hire somebody, and boy, it was just nothing, and then all of a sudden, Pastor Josh drops in our lap, and it's like, woohoo, this is it, and a lot of momentum from Christmas to Easter, and yes, we're going, and Josh is like, I'm going to go to Trinidad and get married and I'm like okay but what about us and then now everything here we are and so to plan to think ahead to advance to all of those things there's always that that uncomfortable waiting it's almost an unhealthy you know, the bible says wait on the lord that's a good thing waiting on the lord we serve him while we wait we worship while we wait we're waiting for an answer we're waiting for a breakthrough we're waiting for god to come through those kinds of things but there's another kind of waiting that it's like you're just waiting for something you don't know what which makes it even more difficult but you're waiting and that's that's really really where i was and and um uh, august 26th when i preached the message i, I called it counted all joy I really wanted to call it, I hate it here. <laughs> I mentioned it during the message itself. I just didn't think that'd be a good title to put out there to the public <laughs> kind of a thing. And it wasn't, I, I wasn't mad. I told Shelly, I think it was Monday, I came home and I said, I don't know why. Nothing you've done. I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm just in a bad mood. Anybody ever been there? It's kind of like just, you know, beware. It's not you. I don't know what it is, but man, I'm just not, I'm just not, 
in a great mood. I'm just not, and, and, and that had been for a while, and it was, you know, anyway. Um, and so, <laughs> here we are. And when you, when I, as a leader, as a pastor, uh, I know this, I know this. Psalm 61 says that my heart, David said, my heart's overwhelmed. And when I say broken heart, that's what it was. My heart's overwhelmed. Just not sure what to do. And, and, and more so the, what I thought was, man, here we are, is now, that ain't happening. It's, it's, it's just not gonna happen. And that was tough. It is tough. It's hard. And I know enough to know this, that God is good, even when life isn't. His plan is always better than my plan. And there's going to be things I don't understand, but God offers a peace that passes understanding. If there's a foot race between peace and understanding, understanding will not win the race. Peace always passes. Peace surpasses. Peace goes past. It gets to the finish line before understanding does. And if I, if I in my stubbornness continue to wonder, okay, God, why, how come, what about, and all of those other things, I will never have the peace that is available to, available to me because I'm demanding understanding. So I don't get it, but I know God's good. I know God's got a plan. I know that God's got a plan for me, for you, and for us. I believe that with all my heart. I know that. Wouldn't be sitting here right now if that wasn't the case. I don't need a job this bad, <laughs> if that makes sense to you this morning. And so I said that to say this. The book of Proverbs, well, actually in that scripture where Paul was saying, the peace of God passes understanding. He had said right before that, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let it guard your heart and your mind. The peace of God is designed to, to guard your heart and it is designed to guard your mind. It is so important for you and for me, for all of us, when we're facing those moments of loss, when we're facing those moments of pain, when we're facing those moments that it doesn't seem like we can understand what in the world is going on, we have to guard our heart. Proverbs 4 says, says that it's out of our heart, it's out of our heart that the issues of life flow. Your life, your life is set in motion by the things that are in your heart, which is why it says that we need to guard our heart. If we allow misunderstanding, if we allow strife, if we allow unforgiveness to take root in our heart, eventually it is going to grow, it is going to produce something, and it's going to start to determine the very, the very direction of our life. Many of you know people who have been caught up in bitterness and, and strife and things, and it now dominates their thought life, it dominates their life. Every decision is made in light of the pain that they experienced in the past. And so we have to guard our hearts, we have to guard our minds, and it's only the peace of God, it is only the place of God, the pace of God that can do that. And I shared all of that to, to tell you this, and, and it, I, I don't want any pity, I don't want anything, we're going to go on, we're going to be okay. I had a great conversation with a pastor in Canada, um, he was unaware of some of those things. I told him, you're, the ex, you're now the new husband, I'm the ex-husband, and uh, God bless you. He kind of chuckled and he felt bad for us and he, you know, wasn't sure of all of those things. Pastor Josh had told him some things and, and um, you know, so he understood where we are as a congregation uh, as well. In fact, where they are as a congregation is where we were about a year before we hired Josh, I mean, you know, he's like, it is extremely difficult staffing in Canada, all of the things that are going on up there. And uh, he said, we were about to hire a headhunter because we cannot find anybody. And then Josh just dropped in our lap. I'm like, yeah, that sounds really familiar. <laughs> so anyway, 
Anyway, Tuesday morning I'm here and, and uh, um, I encourage you to practice something called the first 15. If you're not a, I appreciate Shelly, she is a, I mean, like I shared a couple of weeks ago, I know where she's gonna be every morning. In the summertime, she's gonna be in our three-season porch on the corner of the couch with a Bible and a book. In the wintertime, we're getting close to that transition time, she's gonna be in the other part of our house in the corner of the couch with a Bible and a book. She's so faithful in that time of, 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 of being with the Lord. And I encourage you to practice the first 15, five minutes of prayer, five minutes of worship, five minutes of Bible reading in whatever order. And I've been doing that. And Tuesday morning, um, I was pouring out my heart to God. I had done my five minutes of Bible reading, read John chapter 16, and it's where Jesus' last words to the disciples, he said, you're going to weep and you're going to mourn, but you'll rejoice again. And that was where I was at. <clears throat> Weeping, kind of, mourning, the loss. But I took heart in that I am going to rejoice again. And, and so then during my prayer time, worship time, me and Cece Winans, man, we are like this. <laughs> she has no idea who I am, but I want to hire her. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, I've been listening to her and just worshiping the Lord. And, and um, I was pouring out my heart to God. And I said, God, I, my heart hurts. It's overwhelmed. And I need you. I need you to heal my heart. Because I don't want to carry this around. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. It was just like a cloud supernaturally lifted. <laughs> And there's a part of a song that I was listening to where she's singing, we'll sing hallelujah until you come again. We'll dance in your presence until you come again. And I'm so glad it was about 7 o'clock in the morning because I was thumping around my, my office. You could just hear this because I'm just dancing in the presence of God as light and as free and unburdened as I've been in a long time. And I share some of those things, and we're going to talk more about it in a couple of weeks because I know... I shared this with staff, and, and Pastor John was like, everybody's got a Josh. Everybody has a loss in their life. Everybody has something that didn't go the way that they thought that it was going to go that brought great pain into their life, and what you're sharing would be very, very beneficial and helpful to them. Like, do it today. I'm like, nah, it's still a little bit too raw. <laughs> still a little bit too, I don't want to pour all that out yet. I'm still working through some things, but God is good. And I want to read Psalm 61 to you this morning because it says this. Oh, God, listen to me. Hear my prayer. For wherever I am, though far away at the ends of the earth, I will cry to you for help. When my heart is faint and overwhelmed, lead me to the mighty, towering rock of safety. For you are my refuge. You're a high tower where my enemies can never reach me. I will live forever in your tabernacle, oh, to be safe beneath the shelter of your wings. And that's what it was. It was the presence of God. And, and, and I cannot describe to you the difference from one moment to the next of how freeing that moment 
was. And so if you're sitting here and you're that person that's been with us for the last couple of years, the journey that we have been on, um, you know, thank you for continuing. You're probably wondering, so what do we do next? Where are we going? What's going to happen? For some of you, uh, you know, that maybe are less connected and kind of like, oh, you know, uh, well, that's too bad, but let's go on. And others who are like, well, I didn't know any of that stuff. In fact, that's a little bit too real for me. We're going to keep looking for a different church. I get it. I understand it might be. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. But, but what that means for Joy Christian Center is that we're starting again. There is not even one, there was not even one little part of me that even wanted to address that, think about that, but we're starting again. I know this, that the future is too important, and what God has for, for us, I believe, is more important. And, and so we're going to start again, and then we're going to get to welcome someone new to Joy. And we're going to get to put aside the pain, we're going to get to put aside our preferences, and we're going to get to put aside all of the comparisons that we might have, and we're going to get, be able to get behind and support whoever that person is. And you want to know why? You want to know why this is what we're going to do? You want to know why we're not going to throw a big pity party that we're not going to be like, oh, here we go, all of those things? You know why? Because what you believe about eternity... What you believe about the importance of heaven and hell, what you believe about eternity is going to determine how you live today. Thank you for that rousing amen. I knew you would all get behind that. <laughs> what you believe about eternity determines what you do today. Yeah, it sucks and it hurts and it's painful. I don't get it. It's confusing. Sorry if I use that word. Sorry, I shouldn't. But what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. I know this. There are people all around central Minnesota who do not know that Jesus is sa should be their Savior and their Lord. They're operating under a false assumptions. They've been cast aside sometimes because of religion. And right now, their eternal trajectory says they could very well go to hell. Personally, I don't want that. I don't want anybody to go to hell. And I know that's not the will of God. It's not the plan of God, the purpose of God. I know that it's not those things. Because he said, I'm not willing that any perish. Peter said, God is putting off those things. He's, he, he's slow in his returning because he's had, and this is my interpretation of what Peter said, he's slow in his returning, he's, he's slow in his coming back because his heart is so compassionate to those that are lost. That is the price. We can't get caught up and we can't get slowed down. And I, I strapped on these converse in whatever, February, and, and I'm ready to run. When I heard five years, 10 years, I'm like, man, I'm 75. I ain't waiting to run. I want to run now. I want to go now. There's vision in my heart that's got to come to pass and it can't wait. And so we're going to keep moving. We're going to keep going. Ask you, I ask you to continue to believe God with us, pray with us, ask God if we need help, help, all of those things. That's just where we're at. But I'm so at peace. It's just weird. It's so weird. I'm so at peace. Because whatever happens, it's not up to me. It's not up to me to make it. It's up to me to follow God. And one thing we say around here, Sunday's coming. That's the one thing that's kind of hard, is that Sundays don't care how you feel. Sundays don't care what's going on. Sunday's coming. And every Sunday that somebody, you know, say this a lot, what about the end days? What about the end times? Every Sunday is somebody's last day. Every Sunday is somebody's last time. It's either their last time to give God a chance or perhaps it is their last time to make Jesus the Lord of their life. Every single day is somebody's last day. Every single day. As I said, 
Nobody gets out of here alive. We will all face death, right? Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27. If you'd put it up there for me, please. It says this, and just as it is destined that men die only once and after that, the judgment. It is destined that men only die or die only once. Notice that. How many of you, how about YOLO? How many of you know what YOLO is? You only live once. How many of you know that's not true? It's YALT. You actually live twice. <laughs> the world says you only live once, but actually the Bible tells us that we live twice. We live this life, but then we die. But then there is an eternal destination. And again, location, location, location. It is in this lifetime that you get to determine where your eternal destiny is going to lie, where your eternal destiny is going to be, whether it's in heaven or whether it's in hell. And perhaps you've been operating under the assumption that I'm not really that bad. It doesn't matter how not really bad you are. It doesn't matter how bad you might be. It doesn't matter if you're one of those people that somebody said, hey, <laughs> hell's not hot enough for that person. By the way, don't be that person. But there's going to be some good people that hell will be too hot for, that, or that hell will be hot for them. Good people. Because the Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single human being falls short of the standard that God has set for humanity. God's demand is 100% perfection. Did you know that? Did you, people say, well, why would a loving God send people to hell? First of all, hell was not created for people. Hell was created for the devil. Hello. And hell, God doesn't send people to hell. Hell is the place that people go to to pay for their sin. The sad thing is you can never pay for it. You will never, ever, ever be able to pay the penalty, the price for sin and that separation from God. The only hope that you have is to put your faith and trust in the one who has already paid the price. His name is Jesus. Jesus paid a price that he didn't owe. He paid the price for you and he paid the price for me. He descended into hell and he died and he, he, he was there. He paid the price, but then God rose him, raised him from the dead again. And when we put our faith in Christ, that benefit of the cross, that benefit of salvation is what we get. The Apostle Paul said this. I want to read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul said, for we know that when this tent that we live in now is taken down, eventually it's kind of like we're living in a house, which makes us a mobile home, I guess. But anyway, uh, or like a camper, <laughs> when we die, we leave these bodies. When we die... We leave these bodies. We will have wonderful new bodies in heaven, homes that will be ours forevermore, made for us by God himself and not by human hands. How weary we grow of these present bodies. Anyone? I don't understand why hair won't grow up here, but it will grow now on my shoulders and in my ears. <laughs> kind of tired of that. Watching an infomercial, this little thing that you can get the hair out of your ears and your nose. I, my theory is that hair just gets too tired. I don't know where it starts, but it just can't get all the way to the top of my head anymore. It's just going to grow on my back. It's far enough. I'm, I'm going to right here. This is it. <laughs> anyway, 
How we will we grow these present bodies? This is what we look for. This is why we look forward eagerly to the day when we shall have heavenly bodies that we shall put on like new clothes. For we shall not merely be spirits without bodies. These earthly bodies make us groan and sigh. It's like getting up, standing from the chair. Ugh, I'm at telling somebody I'm at the stage of life now where I get up from a chair and I'm kind of like this. <laughs> it takes a little while for, to kind of get everything going. <laughs> These earthly bodies make us groan and sigh, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't think of dying and having no bodies at all. <laughs> as, it were, uh, as it were, we want to slip into our new bodies so that these dying bodies will, as it were, be swallowed up by everlasting life. This is what God has prepared for us and is a guarantee that he has given us of his Holy Spirit. Verse 6, now we look forward with confidence. We look forward with confidence. Paul says, we're looking forward to our death with confidence. Let me ask you a question, because <laughs> that's a little bit in, un, just not that intuitive to us. It's something that we resist and fight and all of those things. Do we have confidence in the day of our passing? Do we have confidence in the day of our death? Because Paul says, we can. We can have confidence in the day uh, of our heavenly bodies, realizing that every moment that we spend in these earthly bodies is time spent away from our eternal home in heaven with Jesus. We know these things are true by believing and not by seeing. And we are not afraid, but are quite content to die, for then we will be at home with the Lord. We like that phrase, that thought, be at home with the Lord. There's a, there's a comfort there. There's a warmth there. There's a peace that is there. We just don't really like the journey. We don't like the trip. We don't like that transition. But we can have confidence there and we can have peace there. And so we have a choice between heaven and hell. That choice is determined here. And I know that for some of you, it's uncomfortable to think about it. It's uncomfortable to talk about it. We are not a hellfire and brimstone church and never have been because we believe it is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, not fear and retribution. And if you've grown up in a heavy guilt, complex Christianity, if you've grown up in that kind of thing, that's not who we are. But, but you do need to know that there is a heaven, as they used to preach it. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. We want to, that motivated me as a teenager. I didn't, I didn't become a Christian to be a better person. I didn't become a Christian to have a better life. I became a Christian because I did not want the eternal pain and suffering of hell. It was all, I was only worried about me. I'll be a horrible, miserable person for the rest of my life, but at least I won't have to go to hell. Because that's what I thought Christianity was. I'm not going to have any fun. It's going to be boring. But if that was the case, if there really wasn't the reality of hell, then why would Jesus say this? Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. People will say, and I never studied it out for sure, but I have no reason to doubt. People say that Jesus taught more about hell than any other person in the New Testament. More references to hell than anyone else. He wanted to keep people out of there. He wanted to keep people away from there. That's why he came and he lived his life. So what we believe about eternity will determine how we live today. What we believe about eternity determines how we live today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9, so our aim, our aim, our aim, your aim, my aim, the aim of Joy Christian Center, our aim is to what? Accumulate a lot of money? 
Our, our, our aim is to be the biggest church. Our aim is to, you know, have the right address, the best car, the whatever. Nothing wrong with any of those things at all. But in the midst of those things, our aim is to please him always in everything that we do, whether we are here in this body or away from this body and with him in heaven. Verse 10. For we must all stand before Christ and be judged and have our lives laid bare before him. Each of us will receive whatever he deserves for the good or the bad things that he has done, that we have done, or that he has done in this earthly body. When we read that scripture in Hebrews, it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment, basically, and I don't, we won't go into all of the detail right now, we're finishing up two judgments that the Bible tells us about. There is a judgment, the great white throne judgment that those who are not Christians get judged for their lack, the lack in their life. Not Christians, I'm sorry. People get judged. Unbelievers, it's where unbelievers go. There's no argument in that throne. You know you're guilty and you're condemned. You don't want to be there. There's a second judgment called the judgment seat of Christ. Actually, the bema seat is the Greek word, which is similar to something that would be in the Olympic Games where you would be awarded a crown because you won a race. That's the judgment of the believers. What you've done in this life, what you've done in this body, how you've lived your life focused on eternity will determine what happens at the bema seat, at the reward seat of Christ. Which is why Paul was saying, we make it our aim and whatever we do, we make it our aim to please Christ. If I believe that there is a heaven to gain and a judgment that I'm going to get at heaven, it will determine how I live this life because this life is the only place, it is the only way that we can lay up treasure in heaven. And the kind of cool thing is we sometimes think Jesus is unaware of what's going on in our life. He's unaware of what we're doing. But do you know that Jesus notices things that nobody else notices? There's a scripture in the book of Matthew chapter uh, 25 where Jesus is giving this long kind of dissertation. But in verse 40, he says, the king will reply, truly I tell you that whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Jesus, Jesus will notice and you will stand before Jesus and he'll say, you know what? I noticed what nobody else did. I noticed when you served. I noticed when you gave. I, I noticed when you were helpful to that person who, who seemed lost or down and out. And I noticed those things. And you thought nobody would give you credit for it. You thought nobody else noticed or that nobody else saw. But I want you to know that I saw. And because I saw those things, here's a crown. Here's a reward. Here's something good because of what you've done. Bible says we'll in turn put all those things at his feet because he's the one who gave us the life and the power to be able to do those things. This life, this life matters and is important because only what you do here or what you do here determines what your eternity is going to be like. Praise God. So we're going to go on. You know why? We're all, most of all of us here are probably born again. We're, we're going to heaven. And we could stop right now and say, woohoo, let's just have a party because we're all going to heaven. It doesn't matter anybody else. I've said this before. One of the easiest churches to pastor would be a church that's only for Christians, only for people who think like we think, act like we act. But that's not this church. 
I want sinners to come into, I want the down and out, the up and out. I want every person that needs Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want them in this building. And I want them to experience the love of God through people that love God, through people who are compassionate for those that walk through these doors. Look at the person next to you and say, he's talking about you. (laughs) You're not the lost one. You're the one who's got to love the people that come through the doors because we're glad you're here. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father God, for your life. I thank you for the power of the cross, that it forgives us, that it, that it redeems us. It gives us a brand new life, but it also gives us a hope of a better future in this life and the life that is to come. So, Father, we lay our burdens down. We lay our worries down. We lay our cares down. We lay down all of the things that, that we thought were so important because, Father, we want to make sure that we're, our lives are pleasing to you. There's a race that we have to run. There's a race that we must finish because people's eternities depend upon it. And so, Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the mission and the calling and the vision that you've placed within us. And, Father, we believe that we will continue to pursue it, continue to see it come to pass. I thank you for those things in the name of Jesus. But if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior and you would like to today, would you just slip up your hand very quickly? I want to pray for you. Eternity is location, location, location. And it is what you do with this life right now that determines where you spend eternity. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I don't know where I would spend eternity, but I want to know. Would you just lift your hand up real high? I want to lead you in a very quick, simple, simple prayer. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, again, I thank you for this congregation. I pray, Father, that you bring us close to those who are closest to eternity, that you bring us to those that are ready to hear you and your word. We give you praise, glory, and honor. I thank you, Father, that you're going to bless Pastor Josh and Ashley. I thank you that you're going to bless them, that you're going to bless that church. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that the, that the kingdom of God is going to grow and advance because of Josh's influence, ministry, and life in that church. And Father, we believe great things. We believe great things, great things for them and for their family, Father, for their future family. And so I thank you for that. And I thank you that you're preparing the right person for this place. And Father, we're not going to get it worried. We're not going to get in a hurry. We're just going to, we're just going to, we're just going to keep going on. So we thank you, Father, for your grace that is sufficient in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Joy, 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 Christian center. Let's have some fun this week. God bless you.